Hey, when you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about those out-of-pocket costs. Now, that could be a lot of money, but are your medical bills accurate? Now, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills actually contain errors. Now, HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, or fraud. Now, you can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. Now, to date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. Check them out online, healthlock.com. Go there today. Pure Talk, my sponsor and my wireless company, of now providing international roaming to over 50 countries. Now, as you plan your summer travel, make sure that your wireless company covers you at home and abroad. Now, you can get unlimited talk and text, plenty of 5G data for just 20 bucks a month. That's less than half the price of Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile for the exact same service. Just go to puretalk.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N, make the switch today. Save an additional 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N. Hey, Sean Hannity here. If you're in a situation where you feel threatened, well, instinct, that might drive you to reach for a lethal means immediately. but We all want to avoid the irreversible consequences of using deadly force. Now, enter the Burner Less Lethal Pistol Launcher. It is equipped with tear gas and kinetic ammo. It can incapacitate any attacker for up to 40 minutes. It's legal in all 50 states. It requires no background checks, and it can be shipped right to your door. Go to their website, byrna.com slash Hannity right now, and you'll get 10% off. Let not your heart be troubled. You are listening to the Sean Hannity Radio Show Podcast. So like many of you, I used to suffer from insomnia. No matter what I did, I just couldn't get a perfect night's sleep. Well, then I met Mike Lindell, the inventor of MyPillow. He got me fitted for my very own MyPillow, and it's changed my life. I fall asleep faster, I stay asleep longer, and now you can too. Just go to MyPillow.com or call 800-467-1962. Use the promo code Sean to take advantage of Mike's two-for-one offer. Now, MyPillow is made right here in the USA, has a 60-day unconditional money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. And by the way, you can even wash it and dry it. Just go to MyPillow.com or call 800-467-1962, promo code Sean, to get Mike's special two-for-one offer. All right, glad you're with us. Write down our toll-free telephone number. We'd love to hear from you today. Let's make America sick again. Republicans are about to be in power and they want the elderly to die, to be sick and die and get cancer and have heart attacks and never get to a doctor. It's all beginning. Now, the lefties, the snowflakes out there, are now beginning to urge Obama to declare martial law and nullify the election. I'm not making this up. Over at the group change.org, you've got disgruntled snowflakes. They're signing a petition urging Obama to declare martial law, use it to prevent Donald Trump from taking the oath of office. The petition reads, until we know fully if the 2016 presidential election has been tampered with by the Russians, our country is under a serious security risk and to appoint a special nonpartisan commission to discover whether or not President-elect Donald Trump and Vice President-elect Mike Pence had knowledge about any and all Russian interference It has become extremely apparent the president-elect Donald Trump must be stopped from taking the presidential oath of office until a full investigation is underway. Martial law is the imposition 
of the highest ranking military officer as the military governor or as the head of the government, thus removing all power from the previous executive, legislative, judicial branches of government. And that's where the snowflakes are today. These, you know, part of this is really, what are you laughing about? No, we, remember I was worried that snowflake may mean something else and that I'm probably just ignorant about what snowflake means. Now we know what the snowflakes are, these loony lefties. Rosie O'Donnell, she of all people, calling Trump unstable. You got this singer in England, Rebecca Ferguson, saying that she'll play the Trump inauguration if she can sing uh, a song about lynching. Wow. The Democratic Party is now building a war room to battle Trump. Bruce Springsteen, poor little Brucey. By the way, I love how Brucey and John Bon Jovi, by the way, I'm over, you know, living on a prayer. It's kind of old now. Very 80s. You know, uh, well, I saw a bunch of drunk people on New Year's Eve. They played that song and they go, and they're just making total fools of themselves singing that song. I was laughing so hard. Oh, you'd be proud of me. My second year in a row, I got behind the bar and I was tending bar on New Year's Eve. People were shocked. And I did it at a place that I know where I was vacationing. Anyway, so poor Bruce Springsteen, who doesn't want to pay taxes like Bon Jovi. So he owns a farm in New Jersey. Just like Bon Jovi owns a farm in New Jersey. I love liberal hypocrites. You know, they're willing to take taxes from everybody else, but they don't want to pay themselves. What a bunch of phonies. Hey, Bruce, why don't you pony up some money and stop saying you live on a farm because you just, I could see, there's Bruce Springsteen. He's out there, you know, on his tractor doing a little farming out in New Jersey. How much farming goes on in New Jersey? Not much. What is he? What is he? What is he farming? Tomatoes in the summertime? He has three tomato plants. I had a tomato plant this year. Worked out great. I had Granny Janny take care of it. I didn't. I bought it and just left it alone. And she felt sorry for the plant because I didn't pay any attention to it. Oh, it's so funny. Anyway, Bruce Springsteen's afraid of Trump. I feel disgust before a, 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 a never known fear before. I felt I, I he says he's scared of Trump. I felt disgust before, but never fear. Oh, poor Brucey. Poor Brucey's feeling fearful. Maybe I need to call Brucey up and tell him, fuck him up a little bit. Brucey, you're going to be fine. Relax. And you've got Sally Field and other people rallying to urge Congress to vigorously oppose Trump. Stand up for the U.S. Dear members of Congress. Dear members of Congress. Dear members of Congress. Dear members of Congress. I'm mad. Flabbergasted. Furious. Concerned for my children. I'm worried for everyone. The majority of Americans, regardless of who they voted for, did not vote for racism, for sexism, or for xenophobia. And yet Donald Trump won. And since he won, hate crimes are rising. Women have been attacked in his name. People of color attacked in his name. You represent us in Congress. You are our last line of defense. So here's what we ask of our elected officials. No, here's what we demand. To the extent that Trump pursues racist, sexist, anti-immigrant, anti-worker, anti-Muslim, anti-Semitic, anti-environmental policies, we demand that you vigorously oppose him. 
We demand that you block nominees who threaten the rights of women, the LGBT community, people of color, immigrants, and the poor. And we want you to know that we are with you. As long as you do that stuff, we won't remain silent. We won't remain silent. We won't remain silent. We'll work harder to mobilize our votes and our communities. But we need you and we expect you to have our backs to protect our civil liberties and to use your congressional powers to obstruct to obstruct i, I can't obstruct obstruct, obstruct defeat anything anything that violates our core values but, as diverse americans you know Sign. we've sucked it up here for eight years 16 days to go this is a long 16 days he can't get out of town fast enough he has the most atrocious economic and foreign policy record of any president in history. You know what? Just relax. All you snowflakes, everything's going to be fine. You have an MSNBCer painting Trump as a danger to the First Amendment. Um, excuse me, it's actually just the opposite. This guy believes in Twitter and Facebook and talking all the time. He loves the First Amendment. You have liberal groups coordinating against Jeff Sessions. They don't want him to be attorney general, so they'll start with their phony he's a racist crap. Whoopi Goldberg, Trump's private security will turn into stormtroopers. Here come the Nazis. Charlie Sheehan tweets, well, he wants God to take Donald Trump next. Isn't that nice of Charlie Sheehan? Such a good guy. John Harwood, he did host a debate, if I recall, White fear is partly responsible for Democratic losses under Obama. In other words, you're all racist. You have one of the Rockettes on the Trump inauguration gig. My castmates feel forced to perform for this monster. Chelsea Handler shames white women, Trump supporters, then calls on women to unify. That's a nice message. Let's see. You cannot eat here. Hawaii Cafe riles residents with a ban on Trump voters. Michael Moore shares five ways to resist if your head is still spinning from Trump's win. Chucky Schumer will work with Trump only if he moves completely in our direction. Oh, that's going to happen. And then all the celebrities who won't perform. John Legend won't perform. I actually met him. Remember I met him and what's his wife's name? Yeah, I met him at a Super Bowl one year. Like Hannity. Like, legend. Like, what's up, dude? <laughs> That's how that conversation went. Uh, who else? I don't even know these people. Oh, the Dixie Chicks manager's not going to play. Oh, that's a real. Adam Lambert's not going to play. Uh, Isa Ray. Who's that? I don't even know who she is. Who's Idina Menzel? Do you know who these people are? Frozen? Yeah. Eric McCormick, you know who that is? I don't, I don't even know who these people are. And they're acting like it's a big deal. All right, but let me just reiterate something that I said yesterday, because this is really important. You can't just vote and go away. Now, we can laugh at these voices today, but let me tell you what the strategy is. The strategy is day in, day out, night in, night out, every single day, they are going to try to chip away and destroy Donald Trump as a person. They're going to try to destroy his credibility. They're going to claim every, every great fear is about to unfold on the American people, ignoring what the last eight years have really been like. I mean, the funny thing is, Obama's record is atrocious. It's been atrocious. One of the reasons Hillary lost was because the Democrats 
have ruined pretty much everything related to the economy and foreign policy. And for Obama, you know, here's what's going to happen. Let me give you the, the bottom line here. Because the president didn't believe in the Constitution, because the president ruled by executive fiat, because the president sought to bypass Congress, well, it's going to be simple to undo much of the damage that he's done. And it's going to be done with the stroke of a pen. I mean, in the first, you know, from what I understand is it's going to be 90 minutes, the inaugural parade, which, by the way, you know, it's nice, pomp, circumstance, all that sort of thing. I guess it's really nice. But at the end of the day, you want the next president to get in there and start getting some things done. And one of the things I'd like to see is I'd like to see Trump get to work. So the Democrats are out there because one of the first things they're going to do after he repeals all these unconstitutional executive orders is then they're going to go forward with Obamacare. Now, apparently, Representative Gohmert, our friend, he pointed out that Speaker Ryan promised the Hastert rule. In other words, if they don't have a majority of Republicans, they're not going to vote on it. He promised no amnesty. He promised no trade deals. All right. So the schedule is Congress now is going to focus early and quickly on health care. And they may even have this done and completed before Trump takes the oath of office. And if they do, that's a pretty good thing. Now, earlier today, there was a meeting on Capitol Hill with House GOP members. The vice president-elect, Mike Pence, was speaking to the room. He was accompanied by Kellyanne, by Reince Priebus, Steve Miller, Rick Dearborn. Anyway, Pence got multiple standing ovations. Then Then he called on members of Congress to give one to Speaker Ryan. I guess just being gracious. And then Pence said the most important thing I want to hear out of him and Donald Trump, which is we need to be in the promise-keeping business from this day forward. And that's really a way, of, a nice way of saying you guys that made all these promises, repealing, replacing Obamacare, and only gave the Republican Party and, and those that voted for you show votes and wouldn't use your constitutional power of the purse— It's basically saying to them, get a spine and don't go wobbly on us. And this is your opportunity to fix it. Not only is it their opportunity, it's their obligation. There's a very specific agenda that I voted for in this election. I want the corporate tax rate down to 15 percent. Ryan wants it at 20. It's currently at 35. It's one of the highest in the industrialized world. I'd like to see it as one of the lowest. I'd like to see all those burdensome regulations wiped away with a stroke of a pen. I'd like to see seven brackets become three. I'd like to see the middle class get a tax cut. I'd like to see the vetting of refugees begin. I want to see the wall begin to go up. I want to see Obamacare repealed. I want to see health savings accounts. You know, I'm reading today that they can't come to consensus on how to replace Obamacare. Well, the answer is the free market, portability, pre-existing conditions. You know, job to job, take it, be able to compete across state lines. This is not complicated. I want to see this country become energy independent in four years. I want to see education go back to the states. I want to see that America is committed to not allowing people that our national intelligence agencies all warn us are going to infiltrate the, the refugee population in the country. This is not hard. Yes, they do need to be in the promise-keeping business from this day forward. And when they said in in 2014, oh, elect us, we'll stop unconstitutional executive amnesty, well, Trump is actually going to do these things. How do I know? Because I've asked him. 
and he's told me he's going to do these things. So if he gets that done, now Chuck Schumer says under no conditions is Donald Trump going to get a Supreme Court nominee passed. Well, good luck with that, Chuck, because you're in a minority, and if you try to prevent and close up the Senate and shut it down, that blame is going to be on your head. And finally, you'll have to deal with what Republicans have been fearing for the last eight years. So my, I would believe the Supreme Court nominee is going to be a solid, originalist, const- a strict constructionist. I would believe the wall bill is going to be passed. We're going to build the wall. I would believe very quickly they will repeal Obamacare. And the reason Obama's racing up to Capitol Hill and, and begging Senate, begging House and Senate Democrats, you know, to block Obamacare replacement plans is because after you wipe away his executive orders, after you repeal and replace Obamacare, it's almost as if he's not been there for eight years. There is no legacy for Obama yet but for the $10 trillion in debt he gave us and the judges that have lifetime appointments. Otherwise, he's basically done nothing. Now, I have statistics on Obamacare that I'll share with you. And... You know, the numbers are not good. You didn't keep your plans. You didn't keep your doctor. Making America sick again might be a nice little focus group saying and and bumper sticker by the Democrats. But we all know that it sucks. We all know we're paying a fortune more. We all know that their promises were never kept. You really can't do any worse. We all know United and Aetna and all these big companies said, see ya, because they can't make money. Because you had a Ponzi scheme where the healthy and the young were funding the health care for the rich, the elderly, and the disabled. That system was never going to work. 800-941-SHAWN is our number. Just be, look, you better be ready for a fight this year. I'm fighting this year. I'm telling everybody right now that every single good program that's worth fighting for, I'm all in. If I disagree, I'm all out. You gotta dig your roots before the sun goes down. Show some love back in your hometown. Fall in love, play some seeds, call some names in the family tree. Raise your kids, love your wife. Put God first, just to live your life. Yeah, I think I'm gonna go and get a little more dirt on my boots. You gotta dig. This is a great follow-up by Florida Georgia Line. Did you ever hear the song Holy? So good. So good. They're getting better and better and better and better. This is Dig Your Roots. You know, put it up a little bit. get better and better and better and i still i just you know and it's funny because you hear all these new bands now they're trying to copy fgl 
Sort of like I do my TV show, whatever I do the next night. Oh, let's, I'll take Hannity's guest. It's happened for 21 years. It's why I can't make announcements to what we're doing on this program because you got these copycats that are lazy and don't have a, an original thought in their head. But I digress. Anyway, um, so Obama is scared to death because he knows what's coming. It's going to be like he was never there, except we still have his $10 trillion in debt. We still have the bad judges that he made, the appointments that he made. But after that, nothing is going to exist. He has no legacy. I mean, that's a problem. I mean, he's touting his legacy. He's out there. He's hitting Twitter now to celebrate his legacy. And he started the new year by dusting off his Twitter account, which he doesn't use a whole lot, sending off a series of messages about his accomplishments as president. As we look ahead to the future, I wanted to take a moment to look back on the remarkable progress that you made possible these past eight years, he wrote. And then he proceeded to share some charts, one showing the end of the financial crisis. We acted on a global scale to save the one planet we've got. He actually said that. I'm like, oh, boy. Now, I have the real statistics, but it's really a pathetic thing to watch him, I think, deep down in his heart, which is why he went to talk to the Democrats today. I think you you need to start referring to the new GOP health plan as Trump care. Why? Because he knows that Obamacare's done and he's trying to save it because he has no legacy. You know, they're out there saying Valerie Jar- Jarrett's claiming it's a scandal-free administration. It's as honest as if you like your doctor and you like your plan and you're going to save, on average, per family, $2,500 a year. The, the truth of the matter is you can't just make stuff up. Yeah. Uh, that's one of the things you learn as president of the United States. You get called into account. And what about that, that great stimulus heist? <laughs> shovel zipper ready wasn't so shovel ready. Well, that didn't work out too well. Or Operation Fast and Furious. They claim they had no scandals. Oh, okay. What about Eric Holder held in contempt of Congress? Remember that? Whoopsie-daisy. Then you got spying on journalists. Remember that little scandal? Remember the IRS scandal targeting conservative groups? Remember Benghazi and all the lies? Hillary Clinton's secret server? The Pigford scandal, which is the, well, that's a landmark lawsuit from the Bill Clinton era, but a program meant to compensate minority farmers uh, and anybody, but apparently that was mishandled. Then you got the NSA spying scandal. Then you got the Bo Bergdahl scandal. Then you got the Iran nuclear deal ransom payment scandal. Then you got the GSA scandal. Then you got the VA death list scandal. Then you got the Solyndra scandal. Then you got the Secret Service gone wild scandal, although I don't really blame them too much. I, I know too many of these guys are good guys, and they put their life on the line for their country. And on a day off, if they feel like having a little bit of, you know, something to drink, good for them. They deserve it. Um, Let's see. So they claim it was scandal-free. They've been riddled with scandals. And now the president pretty much is having a temper tantrum and doing everything he can possibly do to make Donald Trump's life miserable. And upend the, you know, for him to go in and start saying don't support the new president because it's going to impact the one piece of legislation that, that did not, did not meet one single promise that he made, which was Obamacare. Now, he did spend a a ton of money on vacations. We know it was, you know, he he loved to spend exorbitantly frequent vacations. 
He spent $100 million, it's estimated, on vacations. Lifestyles of the rich and famous. Martha's Vineyard, beautiful Martha's Vineyard. And, of course, the entire island is mesmerized by, by Barack Obama's appearance. And then he'll be jetting off to beautiful Hawaii, where he'll be spending an enormously extravagant two weeks at somebody's compound that's giving it to him. It's, a, you know, it's at least Donald Trump. The funny thing about Donald Trump, the White House is going to be a step down. I've been inside of Trump Tower. I've been inside his residence. And it's uh, it's pretty extravagant. I got to I actually said to him one day, I said, are you actually allowed to sit in these things? Can you sit in the chair? These, you know, you feel like you're going to your grandmother's house and you can't sit in the chairs. And grandma tries to protect the furniture with that stupid plastic crap that is so uncomfortable. You don't even want to sit in it. I mean, what's the point of having furniture if you can't sit in the stupid thing? And I'm looking at. You know, you're drinking a cup of a coffee in his house, and I'm thinking, holy crap, if I spill on this carpet, I'm dead. I've worked the rest of my life to pay for the carpet. And they got these extravagantly painted, hand-painted ceilings, and everything's gold. Even the bathroom toilet is gold. It's true. I went to, I went to the bathroom when I was there. I really did. I swear to God. Oh, it's pretty funny. So it's a big step down for him. He's probably, you know, the funny thing is he'll probably want to use Trump Jet 1 instead of Air Force 1 because it's more configured the way he likes it. He's got a gold shower in it. And he's got his bed. Well, they got a bed in Air Force 1, too. But he's going to need, obviously, the technological advances of, of Air Force 1. But he's not going to like it. He's going to be comparing it to his own plane. It's hilarious. But, you know, one of the things that I love about Trump is the guy works. I, I, I've, I've talked to him at Sunday night at midnight, and he's working. And he's, all he wants to do is talk about the country. Even every single day, I had contact with, you know, I'm always trying to get information. I'm always working, even when I'm off. Every single day of his vacation, he worked. Every single day, he was meeting with people. Every, he didn't take a day off. He played, he played golf once with Tiger Woods. How do you say no to playing with Tiger Woods? I'd love to play with Tiger Woods, although it would be a waste of his time the way I hit the ball. All right, hang on, Tiger. How do I get it to go? It either goes left or right. Never. It tends to go right more than left. It didn't have more of a slice than a hook. Like everything else in my life, it goes right. So it's, it's going to be like he never existed. Why, are you, why is everybody laughing? Why are you laughing so hard at me today? Which I liked a lot better than when I left for vacation and you were so cranky towards me when I was leaving. Oh, you're making me change the schedule. You're working on a Friday. You told me you're going to be off. You want to go back into the history. or Can't we just move forward? You're saying some wacky stuff today. To like, what, what did I say that's wacky? Oh, you're talking about gold. No, it's very different. It's very different. Oh, you guys are cracking me up. Well, in case you're interested, if they're saying that this is going to be Trump care, well, here's the good part. On average, the average American family since Obama became president is paying $4,100 more per year. If you look at an average uh, 27-year-old, they have an individual mandate penalty of, oh, let's see, it's up 500% over the years. And if you look at the different states and what they're paying, well, the average premiums are increasing this year. 2017 depends largely where you live. 
premiums in 20, I'm sorry, 31 states are going up by double digits, even though on average we're now paying uh, $4,100 more than when Obama became president. And he's now lobbying against this? You know, you look at some of these states. Oh, how much? Arizona, 116% increase. Oklahoma, 69% increase. Tennessee, 63% increase. Minnesota, 59% increase. Alabama, 58%. Pennsylvania, 53%. Nebraska, 51%. You know, some of California's at 7%. They already steal all your money in California anyway, so it doesn't matter. Um, And all these other states that are highly taxed, like New York, 16.6%. Well, you're already paying a fortune into this anyway. You pay a 10% state tax. But if you want to look at Obama now with his congressional Democrats, they failed to save his health care law. They've ignored the most harmful effects where people, why do all these companies get out of it? Because they can't make money the way it was designed. They can't provide the coverage as it was promised. That's why people lost their doctors, lost their plans. Even Chuck Schumer admitted Obamacare was a mistake and that it wasn't the change that Americans wanted. Obamacare premiums this year, 2017 alone, are going up dramatically all across the country after you've already paid $4,100 more than you were paying back in 2009. Now that that's this is this is ridiculous, you know. Make America sick again. America's sick and tired of paying these rates. You know what? The best premium you can get if you're young get a catastrophic plan. That's what you need to get. Pay get with a fairly high deductible, maybe five thousand, maybe ten thousand. This way, you don't run to the hospital if you're young and you stub your toe. But if God forbid you get cancer, you have a heart attack, you're in a bad accident. Well, then you get full care after you pay your deductible. If you're an older person, you probably have Medicare, some type of of premium or Medicaid premium that you have to pay, some supplemental insurance. It's relatively inexpensive. It's not that bad. There is growing skepticism. We'll get into this with Newt Gingrich in the next hour over the Russian hack claims. Finally, After my interview with Julian Assange, we only aired half of it. And we don't have time to air the other half tonight. Maybe I'll air it over the weekend. Anyway, the press picked up on a point that I was making, and that is that China hacked over 23 million Americans and our government in 2015, and Obama never said a word about it. Well, now we have Josh Earnest, chief propagandist. Well, he's out there, you know, making the same claims. Russia did it, Russia did it, Russia did it, but there's no evidence of it. As a matter of fact, as Investors Business Daily points out, a growing body of evidence is out there suggesting that Obama and the administration and Hillary and their claim that Russia hacked the 2016 election is nothing more than a politically motivated hoax. Let me interpret that. A lie. Let me interpret that. Propaganda. Anyway, they chronicled the rising tide of skepticism. Later in the program, we have some cyber experts on with us, and they'll, they'll give us their best take on it. But Obama's decision to expel Russian diplomats, why didn't he do it to the Chinese in in 2015? He didn't because it didn't advance a political agenda. Well, now the headline on Drudge, even as we speak today, is what? Uh, That Obama's sending forces to the Russian border? 
What, is he going to have a showdown in his final 16 days against Vladimir Putin? He's going to lose. Vladimir Putin has already made him look like a fool multiple times during his presidency. I know that the prime minister of Israel can't wait to get rid of him, and I know the rest of the world can't wait to get rid of him. For all the talk about, you know, this is a guy that gets a Nobel Peace Prize on day one. You know, name one part of the world that's better off since Obama's been president. It's not Benghazi. It's not Libya. It's not North Africa. It's not Iraq. It's not Syria. It's not Afghanistan. It's not China. There's no reset. It's not North Korea. And it's not Chinese, the Chinese. Anyway, kind of easy. A court gives Trump final say on Obama's anti-fracking lawsuit. A federal court has just decided President Trump will have the last word on Obama's anti-fracking lawsuit. Federal court Wednesday delayed oral arguments in an appeal by the Obama administration to reinstate fracking rules on federal lands that a lower court had voided before they went into effect. The decision by the Denver-based 10th Circuit Court of Appeals to push back arguments to January 17th from January 17th to March 20th means the Trump administration will manage the federal government's appeal case. Goodbye. See you later. Done. Seattle officials are using taxpayer funds to organize an inauguration protest. Do they really think this is going to work? You know, do these snowflakes really think they're going to have an impact? By the way, Hillary email hacker Guccifer, he now says, just like Julian Assange, it wasn't the Russians. You know, anyway, speaking from a prison 3,700 miles away on the latest diplomatic dust-up between the U.S. and Russia, Marcel Lazar told Fox News that he doubts Obama's administration and Hillary's accounts and allegations that Moscow directed cyber attacks against Democratic groups in 2016. This guy's known as Guccifer. He described the administration's allegation of Russian cyber attacks during the 2016 elections as part of a fake cyber war. Now, there is real cyber war, and it is happening, but that doesn't matter. Obama urges Democrats to block Obamacare replacements. That's so funny. The first big fight of this new Congress will be over health care. Republicans are plotting and soon will be executing a full-scale assault on the three pillars that support the American health care system, the Affordable Care Act, Medicare, and Medicaid. The Republican plan to cut health care wouldn't make America great again, it would make America sick again and lead to chaos instead of affordable care. Republicans would create chaos in the health care system because they're stuck between a rock and a hard place. They have no idea what to put in place of the Affordable Care Act. For years, they've talked about repeal, but for five years now, they have had nothing to put in its place. Now, the Republicans say repeal and replace. The only thing that has going for it is alliteration. They have no replacement plan. They have no replacement plan because they just, they can't. They can't agree. They don't have the votes for a replacement plan. So to repeal and then delay is an act of cowardice. That means we don't really know what we're doing. And it, it recognizes, it recognizes that uh, the consequences to them of just straight out repeal without some replacement. So we have a, a, a values debate in, in, on our hands, but it's very personal in the lives of the American people. This is part of an initiative 
that is part of the Ryan budget that says we're going to voucherize Medicare, we're going to block grant Medicaid. So this has a, a tremendous assault uh, on the health and the health security and the financial security that goes with what the Affordable Care Act has done for the American people. And so make America sick again? Is that what the Republicans want to do? I certainly hope not. Hopefully we can work together to find a path to address some of the concerns they may have, but not to undermine this pillar of economic and health security for the American people. It stands right there with Social Security, which they want to undermine, Medicare and Medicaid, which they want to undermine, Affordable Care Act. So the president asked us, are you ready? Do you have the, uh, the fight in you? He didn't need to ask us that question, I don't think. Repeal Affordable Care Act, that's a problem. Lifetime limits, that's a problem. If you're a senior, you know, Medicaid, almost half of Medicaid is about long-term health care. You want grandma living in the guest room? You, you repeal the Affordable Care Act. Doom and gloom. The Obama agenda in three hours because he didn't want to go through Congress. 70% of what he has done will be gone with the stroke of a pen. Then Obamacare will be gone with the stroke of a pen after a couple of days debate. And Obama death, desperately trying to cling to whatever legacy he thinks he might have went to Congress today. A rare visit floated the idea that Democrats start referring to the GOP's new health care plan as Trump care. The president urged fellow Democrats to not rescue Republicans by helping them pass replacement measures, according to sources in the room. Now, think about this. Once you overturn all the executive orders, because the president didn't really believe in the Constitution, separation of powers and co-equal branches of government, that just means the next president can undo all, undo all the damage with a stroke of a pen. They, there might be as many as 3,000 or more executive orders repealed and rescinded. There's going to be. They've now cut back the inaugural parade 90 minutes. They're cutting back on the number of inaugural balls that Donald Trump will attend. He says he wants to get to work. He doesn't feel like doing all of the nonsense. Anyway, simple, basic statistics and facts. Millions of Americans lost their plans. Millions of Americans lost their doctors. The average American family since 2009, when Obama became president, is paying $4,100 more in insurance per year. In other words, we didn't save, on average, $2,500 a year per family. In spite of all of those increases in the last eight years, this year alone... The average increase around the country for premiums is up 35 to 40 percent. In some states, well over 100 percent increases. So, yes, the Republicans are going to repeal. Republicans are going to, despite all the harmful effects, Aetna, United, uh, Blue Cross, Blue Shield in some states, all the, all the disastrous impacts of the health law, now they want to say, you broke it, you own it. Well, there's nothing. It's already broken. It's been destroyed. And under Obamacare, this year alone, every American is seeing double-digit increases in their premiums. They can't afford it. They were not promised this. Obama repeatedly promised health care policies and costs would go down and go down dramatically. 
and that service would improve and improve dramatically. So the president went to meet with House and Senate Democrats today. They want to block repeal efforts because that's the only thing left to what is called a legacy. Otherwise, it's like he was never there. Even Chuck Schumer said in 2014 he admitted Obamacare was a mistake and it wasn't the change Americans wanted. Anyway, the headline is Obamacare 2017 higher prices, fewer choices. Premiums are rising by more than 20 percent, double digits in almost every state for Obamacare plans that literally are providing less services than ever before. Premiums for the mid-level silver plans are increasing by an average of 25 percent. That comes on top of the 7.5% increase last year. Bronze-level plans are up uh, 20-some-odd percent as well this year. That was on top of 21% last year. Premiums for the two highest-level plans, well, they're up by 22 and 15% respectively, on top of the plans that they had last year that went up dramatically. So you only have a handful of people, 8.4 million Americans, according to Obama's own Department of Health and Human Services, and maybe even higher, the president said a handful of people would take a hit from the healthy insurance premium increases. Well, no, it ends up being almost everybody. Anyway, joining us to discuss and debate all of this is our good friend Jeffrey Lord. Jeff suffers over at the Clinton News Network, and he wrote the <laughs> best-selling book, What America Needs, The Case for Trump. Leslie Marshall, the host of The Leslie Marshall Show, a Fox News contributor. Leslie, will you admit that the promises that were made over and over again, keep your doctor, keep your plan, save money, never came to fruition? I will admit a few things. One, I didn't ask you a few. No, 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 Sean. I will admit that the president didn't realize that the, and the Democrats did not realize that the insurance companies did. What they will do with a Trump care plan as well, by the way, uh, will increase premiums because they will do exactly what they've always done. And prior to Obamacare, they increased premiums at a much higher rate than we're seeing them being uh, increased now, which is they change plans all the time. They change plans that have doctors within them and then change plans to have doctors without them. So I would agree that the president was wrong when he said, if you want to keep your doctor, you can. Just like Kellyanne Conway's claim today that no one will lose their health care is also incorrect. Well, I think in the interim that's going to be true, but it's not going to be a top-down government-run health care system, which Obamacare... Yeah, but if you're in the interim, which, uh, Sean, can I finish? And, you, and you have a terminal illness, you may not make it and you know, for that interim. Well, you know Republicans want old people to die, right? Republicans want dirty <laughs> air, dirty water, and they want old people to die. So what, I'm trying you... to think that, Sean. I was at Jeffrey, are you trying... Are you, are you, I'm not old enough you see, yet, you see, already you there's... to kill me in the future? It, it, already I, I there's guess, trying to scare I, old people. I guess I voted for Donald Trump as a suicide pact. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anyway, you know, the bottom line is it didn't work. All the big insurers got out of it. People have no options whatsoever. They were funneled into the government system, which I predicted at the time would happen. And I've got to imagine the free market competition and portability, and you can also preserve pre-existing conditions for people as part of the new bill, I think would be a smart thing to do. But at the end of the day, you can't make it any worse than it is, Jeffrey. I mean, I mean, things like portability, uh, being able, if you live in Pennsylvania and you, you see a plan in California that's attractive, being able to buy across state lines, those things are important. Sean, I, I can tell you, during the election, Yes, I now have something of a recognizable face. I was stopped all the time by people, and your number one complaint was Obamacare. And 
By the but time wait a minute, Jeffrey. A lot of Trump supporters want to keep their plan. You know that. I have Trump supporters stopping me at the airport. Who Leslie, with Leslie you I'm telling you, I, I, I'll give you an example. One guy stopped me. He'd had a stroke from which he'd recovered. He had to deal with Obamacare. He was furious. He was livid. And, and what would he have done without Obamacare? That's why he was voting for Donald Trump. What would he now, have done without insurance? Well, but but that's Leslie. He probably ha- I assume he had insurance before this. I mean, you took insurance away from millions and millions and millions of people. You have to remember, Jeff, the Affordable Care Act was not for the people who insured, the people that didn't have insurance because they had pre-existing conditions, because their employers didn't provide it or because they couldn't afford it. Leslie, I'll say now what I said at the time and what I heard Sean say. If you want to find the system that gives insurance to people who don't have it, do that. But don't wreck the rest of the system for the people who are perfectly happy but with the, what they had. Part of the and wreckage, Jeffrey, you know this, part of the wreckage, not only to health, which lacked prevention and clogged our emergency rooms and led to so many hospitals closing and a deficit of healthcare professionals versus the number of people coming into those ERs, there just isn't the volume to treat the volume coming in of people who are sick. That's what we're going to see happen if there's no replacement plan in place, if there's no transition, and you're going to well, see Leslie, oh, the Leslie, all I having the same we, problem. We have, the Affordable Care Act. Leslie, Leslie, we have tried it your way. We've done it the president's way. And I can tell you, when I when I saw the front page headline in the Harrisburg Patriot News before the election, a couple of weeks before the election, that premium increases had soared. I think the headline was 33 percent, but it varied. It, it was much more than that, I think, depending on where you were, and the situation and what kind of plan you had. I mean, people were infuriated. I mean, and I'll blame no them, but look at the, look at the premiums for, prior for to the Affordable Trump. Care Act and the percentages of those premiums and those increases. We need to do that to be fair and factual. Well, but, but Leslie, all I'm, I'm just telling you, the political result of what the president did resulted in Hillary Clinton's defeat. That was, I don't that know, but I don't agree with you there. I agree there's a lot of reasons she was defeated, and I don't think that the Affordable Care Act was the main thing based on not only the exit polls, and now people don't like to, uh, to believe in polls, but it, it was a lot more than that. Jeffrey, African-Americans didn't come well, there, out. Uh, sure, 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 people stayed that, home. She didn't thing. visit with Leslie, I mean, we, didn't we've been to the, through this to the blue collar. for ages and ages and ages. Government-run health care systems. I mean, that is the, the role of government. If you want to talk about the role of government, infrastructure. I mean, good Lord, the Republican platform of 1856 was advocating the federal government play a role in building canals and roads. That's fine. But health care, this does not work. To have, to have some that, bureaucrat in Washington Jeffrey, and when you're telling, senior... telling me in the middle of Pennsylvania what my health care plan has got to be and what's acceptable and what's not does not work. Period. So, so you're telling us Medicare does not work. Medicare is in debt. Medicare will collapse if they don't fix it. Oh, I don't. I I, 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 I don't. Mean, I wait, first of all, I don't agree. I don't agree. And quite frankly, it doesn't matter. Well, it doesn't matter if you agree. The fastest growing segments of our population are senior citizens who are going to get screwed with this repeal. And also, uh, if there is any kind of uh, as a hatchet taken as Republicans have in the past or threatened to to, to Medicare. Well, Leslie, all I'm telling you is we had the election. This played a key role in this election. And as Sean well knows and and hammered these Republicans over and over and over again, when they had the opportunity to do something about it by using the powers of the purse in the House, they didn't do it. That's one of the reasons Donald Trump is the president-elect and not, you know, one of these other 17 Republican candidates. 
could be. Could the be Republican Party John, were furious. That theme music you played, that doom and gloom theme music that you played, that was played by Republicans for years and over 50 attempts to repeal the Affordable Care Act. One could say bordering an obsession. Well, listen, we're just I, I, I mean, it's been done. It's been done. The president got his way. And as I recall, correct me yeah, but, if I'm wrong, Jeff, he Jeff, got would no you at least Can we agree on this? My, you are my third they, husband. They i got to get through my first, right? Would, can we I mean, agree I, on this? We can at least get, you know, uh, you know, be able to sleep in the same room when we're married. Here, here's the, the bottom line is I feel, I love these sex analogies in the middle of a health care debate. About the people by both sides. Do you I, agree with me on that? Let me, let me end this by saying this. Obamacare, every promise was never fulfilled. Every health care provider is bailing out. It's collapsing of its own weight. This Correct. year alone, we have double-digit increases. We were promised to sa- keep our doctors our care and save, on average, $2,500 a year. It didn't happen. We can't. But there are promises that did. Excuse me. None of the major promises were kept. None. I think pre-existing Zero. conditions that are not None. kept away is a major N- promise. Yeah, that tell that kept. to the person that waited online like our vets forever to get crappy, inferior care. That's not what they signed up for. That's not what they were promised. Anyway, we got to run. It's gone anyway. The Obama legacy, the only thing we're stuck with is his debt and his horrible judicial appointments. The president-elect be quoting Julian Assange, Mr. Speaker. Look, I'm not going to get into what he has to do. The last thing I'm going to do is start commenting on every little tweet or, or, or Facebook post. Um, that is just not what I do uh, with the president-elect or when he's president. Uh, I think he has not received his Russia briefing yet. I believe that's scheduled for Friday. Uh, so hopefully he'll, he'll get up to speed on, on what you know has been happening and what Russia has or has not done. And um, he'll be better informed on that. Then let me ask you what your opinion is of Julian Assange. I really have none other than I think the guy is a sycophant for um, Russia. He, he, he um, leaks, he uh, steals data, and, um, and compromises national security. And he's wanted on a rape charge. It, yeah, yeah, right. And I think he's under house arrest. Or he's, he's, isn't he in the Ecuadorian embassy? Y- yes. Yeah, so for like the last four years, yeah. Yeah, what they didn't say, by the way, in it came up in the interview is, well, actually, the women have not been pursuing the case, that it's the government, and that Sweden wouldn't talk to Assange for five years. Now, I don't know what happened. I don't, of course, I want justice if there's any sort of or type of assault, but I also know historically false charges are often made, especially against people that expose uh, political corruption in particular. It's not unusual. So I have an open mind, just like I did in the Richard Jewell case, just like I did in the Ferguson case, just like I did in the Freddie Gray case, just like I did in the Trayvon Martin case. And in every instance, I was right there. And the Duke Lacrosse case, another one. I happen to have a pretty good track record of being right when so many others rush to judgment and are wrong. Anyway, 800-941-SEAN is our toll-free number. We're going to get to your calls here in a second. Uh, But first, joining us to uh, weigh in on that comment and much, much more is former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich. Mr. Speaker, how are you? Well, I'm doing well. And... uh... What do you think about these sons? Fascinating, by the way. Uh, the interview that you had uh, last night, and I gather there'll be a little bit more of it yet tonight. Uh, and I thought it was very uh, aggressive on your part to, you know, work it out, talk your way into the Ecuadorian uh, embassy, uh, fly to London, uh, and, and do really the only in-depth interview I know of. Uh, with Assange. I found him, and I was asked by a number of people, and then I actually had a poll at the end of the program for people to go on Facebook and Twitter. Overwhelmingly, if I had to guess, 90% believed Assange over Obama and Clinton. Does that surprise you? (laughs) No, I don't. 
I think it's a comment on how much um, Obama and Clinton and their team uh, have devalued honesty in the U.S. government. I, I um, was talking to a very sophisticated guy this morning uh, who uh, was sitting with his wife watching the TV news and there's some comment about the CIA, uh, and they both said, spun, just blurted out, I don't believe them. Now, it's a sad commentary when the President of the United States has so politicized intelligence uh, that neither the Director of National Intelligence nor the head of the CIA are considered believable anymore. And no. yet that's exactly where we are, because that's what Obama's done. The 13-page report authored by the FBI and the Department of Homeland Security, did you see it had a huge disclaimer? Did you see that they offered no specific evidence that Russia was involved? Isn't it a little bit odd to you that last year, well, two years ago, 2015, that 23 million separate and uh, attacks by the Chinese government, and Obama never said a word, never threw out a single diplomat. And he only brought up this narrative after the election, after the recount didn't work. And I, I, I have to agree with Assange, and it's something I've been saying, I think you've been saying, is this seems to be an attempt to delegitimize Donald Trump's victory. Well, you know, the, I, I think that's the entire purpose of this exercise. Um, it is almost pathetic to watch Obama bouncing around desperately in the post-election period. I think he believed the pollsters just as Hillary did. I think he was confident that his legacy was going to be protected by Hillary's election. Uh, I think he's still in a state of shock, in a state of denial. And I think that the, uh, the left is desperate to find an explanation for their defeat that isn't them. And so if they can run around and say the Russians did it, the Russians did it, they somehow think that makes them look better than if they're ending up saying that, that uh, you know, the American people looked at it and decided to fire us. Yet, yet the truth is, and you know it, and the country knows it, they were fired because the country was tired of them. Well, I know it, you know it, and I think you're a thousand percent right. Let me move on. I'd be negligent if I didn't get to the Republicans and the battle on, on health care, which is now beginning. A couple of points in order. Representative Gohmert of Houston said that Speaker Ryan promised the Hastert rule, no amnesty and no trade deals. What are your thoughts? And uh, do you have confidence that the Speaker is going to work with the Trump agenda, what you call Trumpism? Well, I, I certainly think Paul Ryan has moved within that framework and has uh, begun to modify activities in the House, just as Mitch McConnell's begun to modify thinking in the Senate. I mean, I mean you know, Trump is a fact. He's going to be president. He's going to have the full weight of the White House. He's going to have enormous capacity uh, with with his power between Twitter and Facebook and everything else he does. Um, you know, you you now have uh, you move from the bully pulpit to uh, the the bully social media, and uh, he is going to be a constant presence. I think uh, that doesn't mean they're always going to agree, nor should they. The you know the the founding fathers set up. Uh, a division of authority between the executive and legislative branch for very deliberate reasons to protect freedom, uh, and, that, and that ought to operate that way. On, on the other hand, I would say that uh, you're not going to get any amnesty. Remember, you're now in a totally different environment because now, instead of having to worry about the Obama veto, now you have a Trump veto, and Trump's not going to be run over uh, by the Congress. And furthermore, having a Republican House and Senate I, don't, I think they're mostly going to do things he will be comfortable with. You know, I did like Kellyanne Conway, Reince Priebus, uh Stephen Miller, Richard Dearborn, Rick Dearborn, and Mike Pence, the vice president-elect, all went to Capitol Hill today. 
And they, he got a standing ovation on multiple occasions. And Penn stated, we need to be in the promise-keeping business from this day forward. I was really glad to hear that because that's not only an antidote for the country to keep the promises they made on the campaign trail, but it's also good politics. When you're able to go, uh, when you're up for re-election, you get to say, well, I told you I do this and I did this. I promised this. We did this. And that was something yeah, that, you, you... Of course, that was, well, that was the key to how we kept the House for the first time since 1928, because in the 1996 re-election, we could go around and say, here's the contract with America. Here are the votes we promised. We did exactly what we said we would do. And people gave us a lot of credibility, uh, even if they disagreed sometimes with the details. They really appreciated the fact that we were keeping our word. I think Trump is going to have the same effect. I think it's going to start with his Supreme Court nominee. It's going to start with his cabinet. And it's going to start with all the various executive orders that he rescinds in the first two or three days of the new administration. So well, well, what do you make of Obama? Because this, Look, I think that 80 percent, because Obama basically ruled by executive fiat, Donald Trump can wipe out 70, 75 percent of everything Obama did with the stroke of a pen in the first few hours of being president. Now they're moving forward with their health care bill, which is to repeal Obamacare. Democrats think they're clever and they came up with a, a slogan that says, make America sick again. Uh, Republicans are not united on what the replacement plan ought to be. To me, it's obvious it ought to be health care savings accounts. And Chuck Schumer has vowed that he will do everything in his power to obstruct Donald Trump making a Supreme Court appointment. How, does, how would you advise them to go forward, meaning the Trump team? <laughs> Well, first of all, I'd advise him to laugh at Schumer. Okay, I mean, but talk about talk about leading with your chin. You know, why don't you? I told someone this morning. It reminded me of Charlie Halleck, uh, who was the old Republican leader back in the '60s under John F. Kennedy, and that Halleck basically ran around yelling "No, no, no." Well, that kept the Republican Party in the minority for a generation. I mean, if if, if this becomes the anti-Trump, scream no and, and stop everything Democrats, uh, they're just going to get killed in the 2018 election. Well, I think um, it, it's clear they're moving forward with a repeal and replace Obamacare. What should it be replaced with? Donald Trump's promise was health savings accounts. Well, the, the health savings accounts will be a piece of it. Uh, returning dramatically greater flexibility to states for Medicaid will be a piece of it. Uh, strengthening the relationship between doctors and patients will be a piece of it. I mean, I, I, I've tried to tell people, having worked on health issues since 1974, it, it's not a, it's not going to be a get it all done in 90 days and then you can relax. Health is one out of every $5 in the American economy. It is life and death for every single American, and it has huge institutions that are dedicated to different aspects of health. You're going to deal with it every month of the eight years of the Trump administration. It's just a fact. And I think you have to get into sort of understanding that, that we'll fix some pieces this month. We'll fix some more pieces next month. Some of the things we fix won't stay fixed. We'll have to go back and rethink them. Uh, but that's the way this is going to evolve. But the core of it's going to be more decentralization, more choice for individuals, more focus on the patient-doctor relationship, dramatically faster ability to get new science and new technology to help people not be trapped by bureaucracy, and much more honesty about costs. Uh, you know, the left would love to destroy the insurance industry and be able to go straight to a Canadian or British-style government-run system. I think conservatives have to have the opposite view. We want a healthy system which is honest about economics, 
which gives everybody an incentive to do the right things. And we want competition. We want competition between hospitals. We want information about different choices you have as a patient. Uh, and we want information out there about what your range of choices are in, in uh, health insurance, including health savings accounts, which for many people will be far and away the best possible answer in the long run. Well, the mantra of the Democrats is making America sick again, and you break it, you own it. But on the other hand, you've got other Democrats. Now, in the Senate in particular, if the Democrats go really obstructionist, they're going to pay a price They have far more seats up for grabs in swing states, as do Republicans, which means it's likely that if things go well in the next two years, that Republicans could increase their majority in the U.S. Senate. But Chuck Schumer is pointing out that if you you need 60 votes for cloture in the U.S. Senate, Republicans have 52 Senate members. They're in the majority. If they try to block any attempt of Donald Trump to put forward a Supreme Court nominee, you only need 51 votes to get the nominee passed. How does that play out in your view? Well, for me, first of all, I don't think that it's going to be very plausible that they're going to be able to block any effort to, to get have the Senate uh, vote on uh, one, on the person that, that uh, President-elect Trump sends up as his Supreme Court nominee. And I think your point's the really key one. There are 10 senators, 10 Democrats up for re-election in states that Donald Trump can now, how do they go home and explain that they're going to obstruct the brand new administration that their state voted for without paying a, a very substantial price among their own citizens and being put in a position where, candidly, they might get defeated just because they look like they're jerks? And well, I think that's a very real part of this. Well, and they're the same people that have been claiming forever that, in fact, that the Republicans are obstructionists. That would make them obstructionists. You know, what is a guy like Joe Manchin going to do? What is uh, the Missouri? Well, Manchin's already been very strong strongly outspoken about this whole strategy and has uh, used language I won't repeat on a radio show uh, to describe how stupid he thought they were in adopting this kind of a strategy. Well, Claire McCaskill, she wants to get reelected. I think people are going to be watching very closely in Missouri how she's acting. Um, one of the things that I think is most difficult is any transition. If you remember, I think Obama, and I, I looked at it very cynically, but maybe you can look at it from another point of view and say he was very clever to spread out the negative impacts of Obama. Obamacare. But on average, the average family has seen their premiums go up $4,100 in the last eight years. And we're seeing increases of 100% in some states this year, double digits in every state around the country this year, and a lack of choices as Aetna, United, and other big health care providers about bailed out of this. How do you make the transition once you repeal the bill? Well, I think you're going to have to find some some methods of, of subsidizing people so that as they make the transition, what you don't want to do, you don't want to force people who currently have health insurance to, to lose it because then you do have a really big problem. I mean, you don't want to be the party to kick people off health insurance. And so I think they've got to find some transition rules. They've got to find some ways. Uh, and candidly, this in part means you've got to sit down with the insurance companies and you have to sit down with the doctors and hospitals and understand all the different moving parts. I mean, there, there are, I think, something like a third of the counties in, in rural America now only have one insurance company left in the individual market. I mean, uh, that that is very unhealthy because you have no competition. And so they've got to design some, some new approaches and some new rules to get people back in the game and to make it profitable for people uh, to go out and to serve their communities. This, this is just, and again, if, if you're a liberal Democrat, these words sound terrible uh, because it actually implies somebody might make yeah. a profit. But if you believe in the free market and you believe in 
uh, how it works, you know that you've got to have some opportunity for people to have a better future, or they just won't go do the work. All right, we'll have a lot more. A lot will develop between now and the time we get on air tonight at 10 Eastern on the Fox News Channel. Former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich, these, this first 100 days, 200 days is going to be some of the most riveting and fascinating times in our country's history. It's going to be it's going to be fun to be, be, watch it and be a part of it. Uh, I look th- forward to it. Yeah, me too. All right, thank you, Mr. Tonight. Speaker. Talk to you soon. The U.S. government is accusing WikiLeaks of having received these materials from Russia, and you say it's false. It did not come from Russia, and the president of the United States is advancing the narrative. Is the president of the United States lying to the American people? Well, he, he's acting like a lawyer. Uh, if you look at most of his statements, uh, he doesn't say that. He doesn't say uh, WikiLeaks obtained its information from Russia, worked with Russia, He's saying Russia's trying to influence the U.S. elections. Yes, so he, he, and you also note that he doesn't say, uh, from the statements that I've read, he doesn't say that Russia was trying to influence the election for Donald Trump. Our publications uh, uh, had wide uptake by the American people. They're all true. but that's not the allegation that is being presented uh, uh, by the Obama White House. So why such a, uh, a dramatic response? Well, the reason is obvious. Uh, they're trying to delegitimize uh, Trump administration as it goes into the White House. They're going to try, they are trying to say uh, that uh, President-elect Trump uh, is not a legitimate uh, president. Can I ask you this? Have you ever talked to Vladimir Putin? No. Have you ever talked to any of his surrogates? No. Have you ever talked to Donald Trump? No. Any of his surrogates? No. Not one? No. There was some report that you might have talked to somebody who was not associated with the campaign, Roger Stone. No, that's false. I think where this Roger Stone claim is coming from is uh, there's a a radio guy on WBAI, uh, which is a mutual friend, uh, who was who wanted to come and see me to see if I would set up a radio show on WBAI, uh, but he didn't. He did come to London, but he didn't meet with me. We published, as part of our policy of full disclosure, not interfering with the right. material, we published the uh, several Podesta emails, which shows uh, Podesta uh, responding to a phishing email. Now, how did they respond? Uh, Podesta gave out... Uh, that his password was the word password. Mm. Uh, His uh, own staff said, this email that you've received, uh, this is totally legitimate. So so this is something a 14-year-old kid, a 14-year-old kid uh, could have hacked uh, Podesta that way. In relation to computer security and uh, Hillary Clinton's uh, security, the Secretary of State emails uh, if, if you read closely FBI reports and the emails that we released related to Hillary Clinton, you'll see uh, Aberdeen uh, had access to them, a variety of technicians at this uh, very small IT company had access to them. They were shipped through the post uh, uh, in a laptop. Uh, she had uh, uh, over a dozen different devices keyed in uh, to have access to them, her iPad, etc. She made almost no attempt uh, to keep them secure from states. Now, uh, was she trying to keep them secure from the Republicans? Well, probably. But in in terms of uh, foreign states, almost no attempt. 
All right, News Roundup and Information Overload Hour. Sean Hannity Show. Glad you're with us. Our toll-free number is 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. Tremendous response to the Julian Assange interview. The sad part is we only ran about half of it during the full hour of last night's show. Now, we're going to air a little bit more of it tonight, but there's so many issues going on in Washington, including the Obamacare battle and some weak Republicans that we, we've got to delve into as I warned you yesterday, this is going to be a daily fight that is nonstop. But as it relates to the issue of hacking, the, the one thing that did not surprise me, the overwhelming number of people we did at the end of the program last night that believe Julian Assange over Obama and Hillary Clinton and the government, it was massive. It was overwhelming. And I, I can't think of a question, those that aired or didn't air, that I could have asked him when I finished the interview. And there's usually one or two things I wish I would have asked. That's not the case because he was very generous with his time. Now, there's an Investor's Business Daily story out today that there's a growing body of evidence suggesting that the Obama administration's claim that Russia hacked the 2016 election may be nothing more than a politically motivated hoax. In other words, we keep hearing about fake news. This is fake news. When it comes from the government, it actually is defined another way. It's called propaganda. It's called lying. It's called manipulating the public. Anyway, Investors Business Daily, they actually chronicled the rising tide of skepticism that is being voiced by cybersecurity experts who are not on the Obama administration's payroll. It would also explain the mysterious reluctance and resistance of the Obama administration to hand over to Congress, which, by the way, they have an oversight role. That is their duty. That is their constitutional role to hand over the evidence that they say they have that that resulted in 35 diplomats and all the other sanctions now being used against Russia. And if they're doing this just for political purposes, creating an international crisis for such without any real evidence, well, that tells you just how just blatantly politically motivated they are in every capacity. And it now borders on danger. Anyway, so last week, even I told you about the Department of Homeland Security and the FBI, their joint report that supposedly tied the Russian government into the release of the hacked Democratic National Committee documents, but they didn't provide any such evidence. And they put a massive disclaimer in the beginning of that document if you took the time to actually read it. And it simply listed tools that are used to carry out the attack and then asserted that Russia must have been the ones who used them without any evidence and an acknowledgement that they may be wrong. And it is being cited as gospel truth now by so many people. 13 pages offering tips how to prevent future cyber attacks. Well, we've known for 10 years about WikiLeaks. We've known for 10 years about Julian Assange. Uh, we've known about Chelsea Manning. We've known about, you know, all these other people out there. And at this point, one has to ask what is really going on here. Joining us is Brigadier General Elbin Meyer is with us, the co-founder of SciGov. I'm sorry, Eli Ben Meyer, uh, co-founder of SciGov, a leading cybersecurity advisory. And he is formerly second in command of Israel's military intelligence. That means he knows his stuff. Also, our friend Luke Chung is back with us. He's the president of FMS. And uh, both of you, welcome back to the program. Uh, Eli Ben Meyer, I'll start with you, sir. Uh, General, tell us what you think happened here. Well, first of all, hello, and thank you for having me. Um, as you, of course, know, Israel is, uh, has uh, led a revolutionary uh, way of uh, looking at this uh, cyber threat and cyber realm. 
Uh, about five years ago, years ago, the Israeli Prime Minister decided to establish a centralized uh, agency and actually uh, establish the National Cyber Agency. And from there, we are in a long process of establishing the methods, the methodology, and other aspects of how do you protect a nation. So when you look at it on this specific uh, uh, event that you were speaking about, I think that the important thing is uh, not one attack or the other because there are dozens of attacks every day or some, the number is more than a million every day, but how do you defend? And uh, here, the, this, this revolutionary Israeli way of uh, adjusting an holistic, strategic approach and not just, you know, solving one attack after another, because what happens, and if you look at it in uh, the whole world, everybody is protecting from yesterday's attack. Is but there any the is, right way? Yeah, go ahead. The right way is to how do you defend from tomorrow's attacks? And if that would be the case, we wouldn't be speaking about was there an attack, who was responsible for that, but how were we successful of uh, you know uh, defending and uh, making sure that that won't happen and would, wouldn't happen in the past and won't happen in the future as well. Let me ask you, Luke Chung, um, if you go back just to 2015, there was over 23 million. I mean, that's a lot of, of hacking done by the Chinese, a data breach by them. 21 million, 23 million people had personal you know, information stolen, including the government. It was so far reaching and not a word, not a peep, not a sentence from the Obama administration about the biggest hack in history. So that tells me the fact that, well, after their recount didn't work, that this became politically motivated on their part. That's why they're reluctant to hand over to Congress whatever evidence they may or may not have. Well, thank you very much for having me back on the show, Sean. Um, you know, I don't have the details specifically on those cases. Uh, you know, we have the issue with the uh, OMB and the security breach there of um, government employees, which then, you know, our counterparts around the world were able to look at that and look at the people who worked at the embassy and could figure out which ones weren't on the list and knew that they were spies, right? So that was a, a huge a security breach for the country. If they um, if they had evidence that Russia did this, and you heard Julian Assange say unequivocally, absolutely not, did he get any of this information, you know, from the Russians? Don't, wouldn't it be something that would be relatively easy to prove? It's it's very hard to prove uh, the footprints that uh, or the trails that one leaves when one is doing these hacks. I mean, it could go either way. One could have uh, footprints that uh, indicate that they're the culprits, or one could fake out and put footprints that blame somebody else um, who really did it. You know, Julian Assange's comments last night, great interview, by the way, um, you know, he was very careful to not claim that the source was Russian. He just said his source wasn't and he wouldn't push that further so you know i think he's being very careful with the word choices that he makes to hide where his yeah, real source is from but in te- but listen in defense of him i mean wikileaks success is predicated on the secrecy and the privacy of the sources that he has otherwise wikileaks doesn't exist because nobody would trust them to get the information that he puts out out and especially when you're dealing with delicate delicate, private government secrets, and and in the case of Podesta emails or DNC emails, you know, whoever that source is would probably be in grave danger. Absolutely. I mean, we, you know, we saw that with Manning. We saw that with Snowden. 
um, and the data that they exposed, which which was government property as opposed to you know the stuff that's held by political parties. Um, uh, yeah, no, I, I I don't question his need to keep his sources secret. Uh, I would just point out that his word choice was. Right. Uh, Let me ask you both this question because look, ten years ago you mentioned Snowden, you mentioned uh, uh, Julian Assange. We talk about WikiLeaks. Um, we have the Manning case. We have all of these instances where we know we, we are being attacked in terms of uh, all these cyber attacks are happening. We know this is going on, but we have not fixed it. Is it something that we can fix and secure, not only for the government, which is our top priority, but for individuals? General, what do you think? Yeah, I fully agree with you. And uh, it also relates to the great interview that you had yesterday. It's another example of... of uh, a phenomenon that is, you know, it's an ongoing war. It's already here. It's not something that we is in the future. But still, because it's such a complicated uh, practice, how do you defend, especially big systems like federal government and state nation governments? So the, the, the solution is either not to do anything or going through technologies. As you can see, uh, there's a lot of people all over the place that are buying a lot of nice technology, wasting tens or hundreds of millions of dollars. But actually, the way to defend, and, and this is actually the point you were raising as well, is not by looking at it from the tactical perspective of, you know, buying this uh, technology or that, but having the strategy, planning. And if you go back to what was discussed in your interview yesterday, the first question is, what is the enemy in the cyber world? And I, what we learned in Israel, that the definition of enemy is different than what we used to know in, you know, those uh, conventional wars it's not tanks, it's not airplanes. It's different types of enemies and adversaries, and you have to look at that and then have a relevant in- intelligence that is relevant for cyber. It's something else than what we used to do until before, and by that you can have a whole plan. I always say, and maybe that will summarize it, that if you want to protect a forest, you cannot. it's not enough just to have every tree surrounded by a fence. If you do that, the forest will still not be protected. You have to start from protecting the whole forest and then go tree by tree. This is the case in big corporates and especially in governments. You have to look on the government, understand who are your enemies in the cyber realm. They're different than those that you were used to. You have to do different ways to gather information, and then you can also defend, and then you can also buy technology. And there are also two different, you know, problems that people face. I mean, it's one thing when someone steals your car because they broke into it. It's another thing when someone steals your car because you left the keys in the ignition. And in this case, you know, it's my understanding Podesta was caught in a phishing expedition where he gave away his username and password. So once somebody has that, the computer doesn't know whether that's really a legitimate person or a criminal on the keyboard. They logged in, no problem. Now they're into everything. All right, I really appreciate your expertise. Thank you both for your insight. It's profound. All right, when we come back, we'll get to your calls, 800-941-SEAN. Also, Catherine Herridge has a report about the back and forth and some efforts made by Obama to release all remaining detainees at Gitmo. That and more as we continue our free-for-all hour. A million dollars building a soccer field, okay? A soccer field for our prisoners that happen to be in Guantanamo. Okay? I don't like that. What do you need a million dollars for? Level out the surface. Let them play. If they have to play at all. Okay? What do you need to spend a million dollars? 
a million dollars on a soccer field? How do you spend a million dollars doing a soccer field? You have a level piece of land. Throw them a ball. Let them play soccer. If they have to play at all, why, why, are, they even, why are they playing soccer is my question. I watched President Obama talking about Gitmo, right? Guantanamo Bay. Which, by the way, which, by the way, we are keeping open. Which we are keeping open. And we're going to load it up with some bad dudes, believe me. We're going to load it up. But here's the thing I didn't understand. I heard this, but I didn't understand it. We spend $40 million a month on maintaining this place. Now think of it. $40 million a month. I think we have, what do we have left in there? Like 100 people or something? So we're spending $40 million. I would guarantee you that I could do it for a tiny, tiny fraction. I don't mean like 39. I mean like maybe five, maybe three, maybe like peanuts. All right, so we have a track record of about 40% of Gitmo detainees heading back to the battlefield, and it may be much higher. That's a fact we've been able to ascertain over the years and, and others that have been recaptured, etc. Anyway, before the president leaves, what is he there now? Another 16 days? 16 more days. One of the things we're expecting is more transfers at a Gitmo uh, to be announced by the president as he's leaving office on January the 20th, after uh, President-elect Donald Trump tweeted a warning against it. Quote, I would expect at this point additional transfer to be announced before January 20th, said Josh Ernest. And then, of course, there was talk about him maybe even giving Gitmo back to Cuba if he could possibly do so. Just like he might in the minute between the 2014 and 2015 you know, shift in Congress, make a recess appointment of the Supreme Court, which is not going to happen, and nobody apparently is talking about it. Anyway, here to weigh in on the very latest is Fox News chief intelligence correspondent, a good friend from the Fox News channel, Catherine Herridge. So what do we know about these efforts made by the president to release all these remaining detainees at Gitmo, and, and what percentage do you have of those that have been released that have gone back into the battlefield? Well, thanks for having me, Sean. So the number of detainees left at the military base is 59, and the administration has indicated that they want to transfer out as many as 19 more men before January 20th. And I'm sure your listeners are wondering, why is it that they can transfer these men out when the Bush administration could not? And there hasn't been a change in the intelligence, what's known about these men, what's really changed is that this White House has been able to or been, been willing to accept more risk in doing these transfers because they've wanted to close the facility. And as one example, in 2012, they transferred out a guy who had been a cook for Osama bin Laden, Ibrahim al-Kosi. He was sent back to Africa, but he is now the public face of the al-Qaeda affiliate in Yemen. This was the group that was behind the attempted bombing of a U.S. passenger jet in 2009 over Detroit. So when these guys go back, they're high risk of returning to the battlefield. And based on the decade I've covered this issue, you see them going back to very high-profile positions within al-Qaeda or even ISIS. Well, it's pretty amazing that he'd want to do this. There was talk over the Christmas vacation that the president was considering some type of land transfer back to Cuba, but there were legal questions surrounding the possibility of that. There are legal questions, and I would say that what he has been able to do is reduce the number at Gitmo to sort of the lowest possible count. 
because to break it down again, you've got about 11 or 12 people who are in the military system already, including the five 9-11 suspects who 15 years later have still not been tried for that crime. But because they're in the military legal system, they're kind of untouchable, if you will, like they can't transfer them to another country, and it's hard to bring them to the United States. Then you have 19 forever prisoners. These are people who are bad, bad enough that they they just can't transfer them out, but not enough evidence to prosecute them. Then again, there's other 19 that could move out. But again, I, I would emphasize to your listeners, what's really changed has been the willingness of the White House to accept the risk that's involved in transferring these men out. And my experience is that when they do re-engage with terrorism, they end up in very high-profile positions and almost Gitmo becomes like a badge of honor for them. It kind of makes them jihadi rock stars uh, in some ways. And they go back to the battlefield and they can, and they go back to their jihadi ways. Did you see the piece, I think it was on 60 Minutes, about how there is a terrorist re-education camp in Saudi Arabia for these guys. And, and this is maybe years ago, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and you know what's amazing about it is they get to <laughs> swim in the pool. Just like how much do we spend on that soccer field for the Gitmo detainees? Right. What do we spend? You know, I hadn't, you know, I hadn't thought about that soccer field. That was a story that we broke here at Fox back in like 2010 or 2012. Yeah. Um, you know, there are kind of two views on the soccer field. One view on the soccer field is that it keeps them engaged, and when they're engaged, it makes it easier for our men and women who are serving there as guards to do their jobs. You know, there are not as many. Listen, I, I want to make it easy assault, for them right? to do their job, but it's also easy to just lock I them know. up. I know. I, I, totally, I totally get that. And I know you're going to appreciate this little detail. You know, that soccer field, the price of it was just under the threshold that required congressional approval. <laughs> right? Yeah, what a shocker like that is. It was like 3000 yeah. Just like everything so, else Obama does, yeah. right? Well, anyway, that was a pretty fascinating uh, story, and it was a story that really resonated with people. You know, we did a story, Sean, about uh, the medical care there, and this is, I don't say this to sort of blame our men and women who serve there, because their job is to give them the best possible medical care, and believe me, they are. And what we found is that the ratio of doctors and nurses to detainees was almost one-to-one. I mean, that is such a difference compared to what people get in the VA. I mean, uh, you know, that's such a great comparison. I mean, we have veterans dying because of built in, you know, a, a bil- a literally built in corruption and a bureaucracy that rewards those that are putting our veterans on separate lists. And then when they actually get the care that they requested a year prior, then they say, oh, you only waited three days. And then they get their big bonuses. It's so disgusting. And that's such a great comparison. You know, they're starting to call me on the channel to go on TV. I want to stay, but I just want to say before I I leave, big congratulations on your Julian Assange interview. Because, you know, there's no substitute for speaking to people in person and getting them on the record. And that's what you did. And that really drove the news cycle today. Well, I really appreciate it. And you do good work every day. Thank you so much. I'll talk to you soon. Sure. Of course. Bye. Catherine Herridge over at the Fox News Channel. Good friend. Great reporter. Uh, All right. Let's get to our busy phones. Uh, We'll start with Joe in Florida. Joe, hi. How are you? Glad you called, sir. Hey, how you doing, Sean? Look, I'm a U.S. Navy veteran. And uh, by the way, thank you for what you do. Thank you for all you've done for your country. Well, it's just a small part. I would say I could say the same thing about you. I mean, you're you're on the front lines, too. It's just we wore we wore different uniforms. Um, But uh, what what I wanted to say was that um, I was stationed in Guantanamo Bay. I was a guard and um, I was there. And I saw those five guys that uh, we traded out for Bergdahl, which um, just absolutely 
I was abhorred by the decision. Uh, and by the way, didn't they, to... didn't they get to pick the the most vicious and vile and committed jihadist, the leaders themselves? They were able to pick those people. Yes, um, they were a part of what we nicknamed a lot of these guys, um, and they were part of what we called the Dirty Thirty. And um, they, I mean. <laughs> You say dirty, and for us, it sounds like, you know, we got our hands dirty, like we need to wash them. No, these guys were absolutely filthy, and the things that they did and what they were known for was atrocious, and you could see that. And we sensed it being there on the blocks, having to deal with these guys. And uh, the other thing I wanted to say about the comment from the, the lady prior uh, when she was talking about um, uh, something about the uh, soccer field and how it was a, uh, a way for them to – What'd she say? Like communicate with them and kind of um, get involved. And and for me, it was a big mistake. Yeah. Soccer for, field for provided relief for people, so the, the the jihadis needed stress. Oh, and by the way, we give them a, their the diet of their choice. We give them prayer rugs. We give them Qurans so they can continue to misinterpret jihad and infidels and holy war and be reminded not to take Christians and Jews for friends. It was it was a sad. It was a, it's a sad thing to hear that Obama wants to release more because we're just releasing more people that are going to go back to the fight. And we've already seen that before. It's, it's one of those things. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. We put those guys in there. Some of them may not deserve to be there, but the vast majority of them do. And, and I was there. And a lot of my friends were well, there. Well, the numbers are in. We've been releasing them now for a long period of time, and many of them just go right back to the battlefield to try and kill more Americans and more other innocent, you know, Western Europeans. I mean, that's what they keep doing, and fellow Muslims, for that matter. And it's a mistake. And we're going to soon learn the repercussions of that if we haven't already. So when you were there, did you feel like we were catering to these people? Did, were they how, on a scale of one to ten? Let's say that um, the Four Seasons and the Ritz Carlton is like a top hotel and they get okay. a ten, and they get a ten. A Motel Six okay. is like and I've been I've stayed in all of these or Holiday Inn <laughs> or uh, what's that? A Courtyard Marriott. That's where I spend right, all right. my weekends with my kids. So uh-huh. let's say they're a five or a six. Where's Gitmo? in that scale i would say a seven or an eight <laughs> they're living better than i do on these weekends at these stupid seven. tennis tournaments good grief well I, I i can't say a lot because i i did you know well they get to play soccer I, they get they, they get the they food get that they want to eat right they can have the food that they want they have the quran like you said which we weren't allowed to touch in fact if you looked at it wrong they would start a riot and often they did but i knew of one detainee that got a full cheesecake I never got that. Well, why did he get a full cheesecake? Because he wanted to get fat or what? Because apparently he had, quote, unquote, information that was vital to national security. I can't confirm or deny that. So we gave him a full cheesecake? I guess. I mean, I guess. How about about we get the information and waterboard the guy? That's how I'd get. Forget the cheesecake. I'm with you, Sean. Oh, my God. Unfortunately, they don't allow us to be a part of those decision-making processes. But anyway, thank you Uh, By the way, you you weren't allowed to touch their Quran, right? You weren't allowed to interrupt their prayer services. I I was not allowed to do anything to that Quran. We were allowed to search anything in their cells, and we did often every day. And you couldn't touch the Quran. We could not touch was the Quran. And in fact, if there was even an allegation that we did touch it, there would be a riot, and not just on the block, but sometimes often in the whole camp. Unbelievable! (laughs) You can't, you can't even make this up. And this is why Trump keeps saying we're a stupid country. You're describing a stupid country. Anyway, well, 
thank you again, Sean. You're a great American. It's a privilege and an honor to be on the show. With well, you. thank you, you for what you did. Yeah, God bless you. You were with the worst of the worst evil. You got you, you got to look evil in the eye. That's a pretty amazing life experience. Sad, but difficult, but pretty amazing. Mike in Cincinnati, 55 KRC. Mike, you're a great American. God bless you. God bless America. This is Billy Cunningham. What can I do for you? <laughs> That was a good impression, Sean. Very good. I've met Bill a couple times here. Hey, um, I was listening to you yesterday, and I just wanted to disagree with one thing. And I, You were mentioning that Trump, I think you were saying that he's going to have a very difficult time pushing through all his programs. And I just want to tell you, I don't think so at all, and a lot of us don't. The more the liberal media and the guys like Schumer and all the, and all the other politicians on the left, all of Hillary's toadies are squirming and fighting and saying all this stuff, the more they're digging themselves in, none of us believe it. And the more they say it, the more we want Trump to just push stuff through. And people, a lot of my liberal friends, I even lean a little liberal myself. I'm sick and tired of the lies and the BS that they've been unloading on us. And on top of all of that, they're stupid. Hillary made it so easy and Podesta for anybody to hack that we all now know that they were not serious people. It was all a just a big joke and we're praying to god that you keep pushing uh through let, let, let me tell you guys. what let me it, let me give it, you a promise and a pledge and i told you last year what my promise was that we're going to give access to every candidate we did that we're going to go on the road with them we did we went to so many different cities did so many different town halls and then i supported donald trump proudly because that was the choice of of the american people And uh, I'm glad we won. And I'm going to tell you what the battle is this year. They're going to try to undermine and and betray and destroy him. Ultimately, they want to chip away day after day after day at his credibility. They've already started making America sick again. Sure, that's what the Republicans want to do. They want to make America sick again. No, the Democrats, they made the health care system. They broke the whole thing. And now we're going to try and put it back together in a way that works for everybody. But get ready. You better you better gear up because we're going to need your help as this fight ensues all year long. I'm telling you right now, it's not going to be fun every day. Anyway, appreciate the call. 800-941-SEAN. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. The warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. 